0: So you know, what you believe really matters. I, I think that, that's pretty obvious. Uh, your beliefs shape who you are. They shape your understanding of, of life. They they guide you in the things that you're going to care about, the things that you're going to do, uh, and the ways you think about yourself and you think about other people around you. What you believe matters. And so uh, really what we say as Christians, and, and this series in many ways is us saying, what does it mean for us to be Christians? What does it mean for us to be a Christian church? What we do is is just... Be more direct about it, <laughs> more overt to say, well, because our beliefs shape us, then we want to say, here's what we believe. Uh, here's what we believe. And, and and these are the things that we affirm such that they would influence our understanding of who we are, such that they would influence the directions that we go and the things that we do. So in many ways, what we did this last summer was be very specific about the things that we believe and, and all the things that we think make up what Christian belief should be, what we as a Christian church believe. But this morning, what I want to do is maybe think more generally, and, and our values, I think, help us in this. Think more generally about our beliefs. Um, the first sort of say, how did our, these particular two values, how do they help us understand where our beliefs come from? Where are we looking to, to understand what we believe? But then also then, where do we want to end up? How do we want our beliefs to shape us and to, and to lead us and to direct us? And so the two values that I want to direct our attention to this morning are to be biblically rooted and Jesus devoted. When we think of what's the basis for what we believe, it's the Bible. And that's what we say, we're biblically rooted. A Bible is the basis for what we believe. But then where do we want our Bible-based beliefs to lead us? Where do we want to end up ultimately? Where do we want our beliefs to direct us and lead us such that we end up in a particular place? It's this, to be Jesus devoted. So that's, that's where we're going this morning. The first one I want to talk a little bit about is being biblically rooted. The picture on the screens is, of course, a picture of a tree with roots. And you look at that that picture, obviously those roots establish the tree. Uh, the, the tree is not going to grow anywhere different than where the roots are. The roots establish the tree They direct and guide the tree. The tree grows out from where the roots are. Those roots also provide nutrients for that tree. The tree is nourished and sustained. It's it's only strong and healthy to the degree in which those roots are drawing in all the nutrients from the soil and, and pushing it out through, through the rest of the tree so you're looking at that that picture um, it, it's it's a picture that I, I want us to have in mind when we think of what we want from the Bible the Bible is something that we want to root us that the Bible it's persp- it's teaching in its perspective so we want it to establish us to to train us to shape us to be rooted in the Bible in such a way that it says the Bible's categories, the Bible's values, the Bible's priorities. Here's what establishes what we want to be, how we think about ourselves. Here's what establishes how we want to live. Because, of course, look, there's a lot of different ways to live in the world. Of course, there are. As you get older, you have more and more choices about how you will live in the world, in very practical ways, maybe what kind of job you're going to have, where you're going to live. But even in bigger ways, what will you value? I mean, we as families are standing before saying something more overt that. Every family essentially says, whether you say it out loud or subconsciously, every family has some understanding of, here's how we understand the world. Here's what we value. Here's what we care about. Here's what we want to drive towards. Here's what we expect from you if you're going to bear our family name. All those things are there. We have a lot of options for that, a lot of different directions that we can go. What we want to say is, we choose the direction the Bible points us to. Another way to put it is, we choose the framework the Bible gives us, that the Bible... Is, is almost like this, this playbook for us. Here's ways of understanding how you navigate the world. Here's the ways of, of, of thinking about other people. Here's ways of thinking about government. Here's ways of thinking about marriage. Here's ways of thinking about what choices I will make on weekends. Here's what choices I will make throughout the week. Here's all these different ways of putting the world together, of understanding the world. Here's the story the Bible gives us, and we want to say this is the story we want to live in. This is the framework in which we want to operate. Again, a lot of different frameworks, a lot of different playbooks, a lot of different stories about the world. There's stories that elevate certain people above others. There's some stories that would, uh, will tell you, well, make sure you get enough of this, and that will make you successful. Or we'll make sure you pull away from that. That will protect you. There's all sorts of different stories, all sorts of different ways of understanding the world. As Christians, we want to consciously say to you, we, we appreciate all the stories and frameworks out there, but we think the Bible makes the most sense. We <laughs> I mean, think the Bible leads us to where we want to be, because where we want to be is where God wants us to be. So we look to the Bible, because we believe the Bible represents, here's things about life and about yourself I want you to know and listen to and follow, and we say, we, we want that. We want that, because it leads us to where God wants us to be. And where does God want us to be? I mean, maybe let's ask this question. We want to be biblically rooted because we want to be where God wants us to be. And God wants us to be what? His people. The Bible has this phrase of being God's holy people, his holy chosen people, which means that we want to be a people. I mean, you might say, then, what does it mean to be God's holy chosen people? Well, it's a people known for caring about what's right and true and just. That It's a people whose words and actions are full of goodness and beauty and grace and kindness, It's a people whose marriages are marked by love and commitment. A people whose families are known for grace and wisdom. A people who's, who are known for doing work in the world that is competent and helpful. See, if the Bible is really rooting us and grounding us and establishing us, if the Bible is really giving us a framework and a playbook, if the Bible is really a story we're living in, that is where we should be ending up. That is the kind of people we should be. God's holy people and all those different qualities I just mentioned. And I say that because, I mean, I'm not the first people person to say, well, we, we, we care about the Bible, There's to talk about being Bible people. I'm certainly not the first to say that. I mean, and that, that's a, in some parts of the country, everyone is that way. Of course we care about the Bible. We listen to the Bible. we got lots of Bibles on our shelf. But the reality is... It's possible to say the words, but for those words, not to actually make a difference in your life. Look around, it's possible to take the Bible and to have it be twisted in ways that just confirm your agenda. Here's what I want to do, and the Bible is just like a light sprinkling to to make a little seasoning of the Bible to really do what I want to do. We can use the Bible in ways that allow us to ignore the parts that are inconvenient and that challenge us, that press on us. And and what happens, though, is that, and the reason I, I say this is that if that's happening, we won't end up being the people that God wants us to be. We won't be known. If, if We can't say all we want about being Bible people, right? But if our words are not full of love and beauty and grace, instead they're rude, they're mean, they're, they're biting, they're cutting. Well, then, then something's off here, isn't it? And that's why we say, again, and I think that's one of the alarming things about American Christianity today is that we, American Christians, for a long time, we do a very good job of having sort of some Bible stuff, but then a lot of other stuff in there as well. A lot of other stuff that fits whatever we care about or whatever drives our agenda and and whatever time period that we're in. And and we want to say we want to be biblically rooted in the right way, in the way that leads us to being God's people. Not our own people, not our own understanding of what it means to be a people, but God's people. And God's people are known for certain things, what is good and right and true and just and fair and gracious and loving and forgiving. All those things. We want to be those kind of people. We want the Bible to be rooted in us and our beliefs to be rooted coming from the Bible such that it forms us in that way. For that to happen, well, number one, it does require a sense of humility. And so one of the things I'm calling this to is to just acknowledge maybe even more so than ever, like, we don't come to the Bible with all the answers. We don't come to the Bible saying, well, I I know what I want to do and I need the Bible to sort of confirm it. (laughs) The Bible is like a springboard to where I want to go. To be biblically rooted requires humility. It requires a willingness to be challenged by what the Bible has to say. A willingness to to sort of say, like, there's going to be stuff in here I don't understand, I don't get. But I'm humbly coming under it to say, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to listen to it. So if we want to be biblically rooted, a basic posture of humility is needed. But also, even more so in this day and age, to be biblically rooted requires community. Like, we can't do this alone. The Bible, there's a lot here. Right? There's a lot here, and it's no surprise that the Bible was first read in the context of community. When people were writing the Bible and setting it out to, to different places, as the Bible beca- as God's people began to form, and as the church begins to form, one of the first places you heard the Bible and listened to the Bible was not from everyone having their own individual Bible. It was one person reading it to a community. And I think it says something about how we understand the Bible. There's things I will see that you won't see. And it's things that you will see that I don't see. <laughs> in, in many respects, what we need, if we're going to be biblically rooted, we, biblically rooted, is a we. It's an aspect of which we together are coming. And so as a church, what might look like for us to recommit to a posture of humility? We're in a day and age of a lot of pride, a lot of, of aggression, a lot of like, I mean, if, so much of, of what makes you get attention today is how loud you are. <laughs> how loud and how angry you are. This is something different, isn't it? To come to the Bible in a sense of like, of softness in a sense, (laughs) of saying like, i it's not about me being loud and angry, it's about me being humble, recognizing that I'm not who I want to be, we're not who we want to be, and we need the Bible to shape us. And it's saying we come together as a church to hear from the Bible. So I want to say, recommit to us as a church, a posture of humility, and recommit as a community to say, it's always about the Bible. And maybe this is obvious. It should be obvious. But like to say, like this is central to what we do here on Sunday mornings. If there's anything that we do, this drives what we do, what we think about, when we talk about. Many of you are, are participating in what we're doing on Tuesday nights. And in many ways, this is just if, if there's anything I'm thinking more about is how do we get ourselves around the Bible in all of the different ways possible. How do we get ourselves around the Bible when we pray together? How do we get ourselves around the Bible on Tuesday nights through the different Bible studies that are happening there? How do we get ourselves around the Bible on Sundays? How do we get ourselves around the Bible together to hear from one another, to speak to one another? I've had to make that personal commitment myself. I have, I just said, I I found a group of people within this church to say, hey, I I need to hear from the Bible more regularly, just me as a pastor. I can't just assume because I'm up here doing what I do that I'm going to hear from it. (laughs) I need other people speaking to me even as I speak to other people. So how might we as a community humbly together come before the Bible to be rooted in the Bible so that we're shaped by the Bible in the ways that God wants us to be? That's some ways thinking about it again as a community. Um, but also if I, if I can today this morning say how might we, how might you personally, individually commit yourself to being biblically rooted? Here the challenge is, and the encouragement is, you as an individual member, if you're a member of this church, to make a personal commitment to being rooted in the Bible. To not say, well, I'll get it from Vermont on Sundays, hopefully. <laughs> right? That's, not, that's good, but it's not good enough. We will only be the community that we be to the degree in which you individually say, I care about this. I must be biblically rooted. As an individual person, what will this look like? I like this verse from Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Which goes on from there. But that just the way that the ver- that passage is set up is this idea of like you're, you're like this house. And throughout the house, so managing so your house is your life. And your life represents your feelings, your thoughts, your words, your actions. And throughout the house are the words of the Bible. The words, the categories, the values, the things that the Bible uses to describe life and God and us in relation to life and God, and you're full of it. How will that happen? Well, you've got to be around it, right? And so how might you this morning make an individual commitment to reading the Bible? Reading it at some regular level. And I'm not even telling you how regularly, but some way that counts. Like once a year is probably not regularly, all right? right, that, that, That wouldn't work. But some way, and again, but also I'm not saying, well, every hour on the hour, right? That's not what I'm saying either. But some sense of which, I won't read it. The word of Christ can't dwell on ritual unless you're reading it. Reading it. Maybe you listening to it. Some of you might say, I'm a great reader. Well, guess what? Like, your phone has tons of ways to read it to you. Right? <laughs> to read it to you. For free. For free. You don't pay anything for it. All you got to do is press the button. So reading it, listening to it, learning from it, studying it, and that's where community comes in. How do we come together as a community to study, but how do you individually study your Bible? Discussing it, asking questions about it, asking hard questions about it. So I want you to understand this as well. To be biblically rooted isn't the sense of, like, I need to come to the Bible, and I'm going to become this zombie, right, of uh, I just listen to it, and I just don't ask any questions of it, and I just do what it says, The Bible wants us to come with the hard questions. Look at the ways Jesus interacted with people, right? If there's anyone who knew the Bible, it's Jesus. And people came to him with hard questions, with hard problems and issues. And Jesus was not like, no, sorry, that's not, we're not hearing this. (laughs) I can't talk to you. I can't deal with your situation. Jesus invites, the whole life of Jesus was inviting people to come and ask him their hard questions, to come with him even with their doubts. People doubting, well, I don't think you're legit. Jesus, and Jesus will say, well, okay, let's talk about that. (laughs) Let me show you who I am. The Bible asks us to do the same things, to ask our hard questions, to bring the concerns and issues and doubts. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks about the Bible being profitable and useful for teaching, right? It's profitable, it's useful, it's designed to teach us. So I would argue the Bible is not designed to eternally stump us and frustrate us. It's not meant to do that. What it is there to do is to challenge us for sure. To challenge us, to motivate us, to ask those questions, if you give it a chance to, so that we might actually learn what it's saying and hear what it's saying and even make sense of it in a way that matters. And so as so we go forward together as a church in this new season. We as a church want to say yet again, before the Lord, we are committed to being biblically rooted. But maybe if we I can add a little bit more to that. Maybe press us even more as individuals to be rooted in the Bible, to say this matters, and I will make changes in my life to make it better. I will I will reserve time regularly in my week to hear it, to listen to it. I will take advantage of times to think about it and talk about it. I won't let my doubts and concerns just sit here to the side. I will bring them before God. I'll bring them before other people. The result being that yes, we can be biblically rooted. That so, I mean, I'll just even speak for my own life. The reality is I even me, as a pastor, doing doing this job, it's easy for me to stray away from the Bible because like, I, I kind of know this stuff right now, right? I've been doing this a while, I went to school, et cetera, and yet I have not come anywhere near exhausting what's here. And so I've had to say over the years, whenever I sort of run into a, a, a block of like, well, I'm not really listening and hearing from the Bible, to break through that block in any way possible. So I have read like multiple different translations of the Bible. There's times in which, I've read shorter pieces, other times I've just read longer pieces. I've done all sorts of different things, every single way because I really believe like the Bible is there to teach me and shape me and instruct me. All I gotta do is keep coming to it. All I gotta do is keep coming to it and it will do things in my life that I want it to do. And to be clear, what I want it to do is lead me in the ways that I think the Bible is describing us to be led, a people of grace and truth and beauty and justice and kindness and grace and forgiveness all those different things. In saying that, though, uh, there's maybe a shorthand way of even saying where I want the Bible to lead me. Uh, how I want the Bible to shape and influence me. That brings us to the next value. Um, that All those different things. I want to be biblically rooted so we can be the people of God. I can be a person of God. But maybe one shorthand way of saying this, I want the Bible to lead me in a way, my beliefs to come from the Bible and leads me in a way to, that leads me to Jesus that leads me specifically to be Jesus-devoted. When you think about the Bible, it directs us, it shapes us towards Jesus. Whatever you believe about the Bible, whatever you believe about Christianity, you should land where Jesus is. You should land where Christ is. Jesus is the way we become the people of God in the ways I just described. And we come to Jesus, and and the words here are very deliberate. We come to Jesus in order to have a relationship with him that we describe here at Roosevelt as being Jesus-devoted. It's not just about believing in Jesus. It's more than that. It's about being devoted to Jesus. Yeah, we've got to believe in Jesus, right? That, that's sort of obvious for the Christian thing, right? But I want to say more than just that. We want to believe in Jesus such that we are devoted to Jesus. It's not just a kind of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, sure, I'll, I'll do this thing with Jesus. <laughs> it's more like, yes, I want this with Jesus, Yes, I want this. I need this. Devotion is a way of describing a legit. I'm, I'm, I'm use this word very deliberately. Experiential relationship with Jesus. A deep, legit experiential relationship with Jesus. If you look at the ways Jesus describes what how we can relate to Him, it's always at this deepest level. It's not at the casual level. Right? It's not this not McDonald's drive-through level, right? Although some of you I know have great relationships. With some of the people at your drive-throughs, and that's great. <laughs> that conversation is legit every morning with whoever that person is. Maybe you're going there to flirt with them, whatever it is. That's great. Praise God for that. But this is actually more than that. <laughs> We're talking at the level of like re- legit relationship. Think of your deepest experiences you have with people, like that level. Some the deepest fellowship you have with people at like that level, and Jesus invites us into that, to the, to the deepest levels of relationship with him. If you look at through the, the Gospel of John, one of the parts of the Bible where we hear, read the story of Jesus, about the life of Jesus, and the ways in which Jesus describes himself. For example, Jesus describes himself as being like living water in John 4. And he invites us to have him be like living water to us. Well, think about that. It means that like Jesus wants us to encounter him in a way, same way like when you drink water and it's cold and it's refreshing, it's sustaining. It's to have a relationship with Jesus that's like that. John 6 talks about Jesus. Jesus says, "I am the bread of life. So what's that mean? That means to have a relationship with Jesus where you have that sense of like when you eat bread, when you eat food and how it satisfies you and fills you, how it, it give, you know, some, some of you, you get so hungry like you're almost dead, right? You eat all of us you like, can't survive without food. you eat food to sustain yourself, to live. to have a relationship with Jesus where it it, it, it is and feels like life itself. you are only living. Only to the degree in which you have this relationship with Jesus, this fellowship with Jesus. In John 6, Jesus says something that sounds a little crazy, but go with me on this. Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, in modern eyes and ears, it sounds like first century cannibalism, right? But that's, trust me, that's not what what Jesus is saying here, right? we I'm talking about cannibalism here, this is a Hebrew idiom or a metaphor. It's a way in which Jesus is talking about your whole self, very visceral way of doing it, but actually a way that makes you pay attention. Your whole self, right? Your whole person. So Jesus saying, to feed of my flesh, to drink of my blood. To, uh, he's really saying, this is a whole life thing, a whole person thing. Mind, body, soul. Thoughts, action, feelings. A whole way of engaging. And that sense of abiding really gets at what Jesus is saying there. To talk about feeding on someone is this way of like, we are so deeply connected. We, it's like we live with one another. <laughs> Live in one another—a way of connecting your whole self to Jesus, all of who you are. Now, last time I, I've talked about this subject before, and, and last time I did, um, I, I talked about the story of Mary and Martha. And I, I won't spend time going through the whole story right now. But again, some of you who maybe are, are, are more visually oriented, or at least story-oriented, here's a way of another way of just thinking about what I'm talking about. The story of Mary and Martha describes Mary. There's two sisters, Mary. Jesus is in the house, and Mary sits right at the feet of Jesus, as close as possible to hear from him, to learn from him, to be close enough to touch him, for him to touch her. Martha, who also has a relationship with Jesus, feels bu- is busy, and needs, we need to put food out. We need all these different things. And what Jesus says, he doesn't say, Martha, you're terrible. <laughs> Martha does have a relationship with Jesus, but Jesus says, I want you to have more than just you running around the house doing stuff. I want you to have a relationship where you can be right in my presence and not worry about running around the house. That can be taken care of later. I want you to have a relationship with me where you're not even—you're not—you're not in the kitchen listening to me talk, or you're not even on the back wall listening to me talk. You're right there at my feet. That kind of relationship with Jesus. That's what I want for you. You think about that story, you think about all the different metaphors I just used, all of them point to personal encounter, don't they? To a legit experience with Jesus. When it comes down to thinking about what we believe and how that should shape us, that should come to and lead us to deep, abiding fellowship with Jesus. Now, let's let's say the obvious thing. When we're talking about a relationship, we're talking about a relationship with someone who we don't physically see and touch, right? If you think you have, I'm going to tell you, like, maybe you're in Times Square and someone came to you and said they were Jesus, not true, <laughs> not true, right? No matter of dressed like that, it was not true, right? We don't physically see and touch Jesus. And because of that, I think some, that's one, one reason maybe some people dismiss Christianity entirely. Like, well, religion with, with, with Jesus? But you mean the guy who lived in the first century? You think he's alive again, but he's, you, what, what do you mean, right? <laughs> or maybe it's some reason why some people treat Jesus, even this whole thing, it's almost like it's clothes you put on every so often, Right? It's sort of like a kind of you kind of enter into this, but then you bounce out. That's why I want to say more than ever, and let's not pull back from this. If we're going to be Christians in a legit way, if we're going to be a church in a legit way, in a way that's true to the Bible, yes, this is what we're talking about. A legit relationship with Jesus, a real, legit experience with Jesus that we're describing as being devoted to Jesus. That is what we are talking about a legit reality that's unmistakable. You know, the verse I go to whenever I talk about the subject is, is this, 1 Peter 1, 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. The Bible knows we, can't, we don't physically see Jesus anymore. But notice what it says here. It talks about a relationship with Jesus that fills you with joy. Can any of you touch joy? You can't touch joy. It's not a physical thing. Yet joy is legit, intangible, isn't it? No one would say joy doesn't exist because you can't touch it. Joy is an experience. An experience we want. No one wants to go through their entire life without joy. We look for joy, and when we have joy, we know we're experiencing something that's real. Joy is as real as this pulpit is, as these chairs are, as the air I breathe. Joy is what makes life living, worth living. And so the Bible is talking about leading us into a relationship with Jesus and and saying it's a real experience. And one of the ways we know that is that even though we don't physically see Jesus, we do experience something that is very real. Joy, and in fact, the highest quality of joy, inexpressible joy. If you read the rest of the Bible, it's not just that. To have a relationship with Jesus that fills us with joy, but also peace and love and grace and truth. All the things I listed before. Here's what it means to be people of God, and we get it in relationship with Jesus. And to the degree in which you have those things, you know this is real, and it's legit. Again, a devoted relationship with Jesus. This is what we we should want out of our Christian relationship with with God, with with Christ. This is what our faith should lead us to, that as heart, it's this ongoing fellowship with Christ that leads us to something that is unmistakably real, joy and love and peace and hope. And truth. Listen, life is hard and short and busy. This is not worth doing unless it's real. It's not worth it. I'm saying that for like legit, like it's not worth it if what I'm talking about is not real. I'm talking about real experience. Those of you, any, any, think back to those times when you've experienced any of those type of things—joy and love and hope and truth and peace. If we're going to talk about being Christians. And about having a relationship with Jesus, it's all those things together in relationship to Christ. Any movement you have towards Christ, you begin to sense, like, more and more of those things in your life. The closer you get to him, the more you are devoted to him. If you're here and you don't fully buy the Christian thing or you're not, you're not sure about parts of it, I think one of the things I want to say is, like, this is why no one should try to trick you into Christianity. No one should try to shame you or guilt you. Like, this is not something to be tricked into, Right? Like, what are you going to do with that? Like, eventually you realize this is a trick, right? And you'll bounce out, right? This is not something to be tricked, to, tricked into or guilted into. This is something that should, if to the degree which you're hearing it from me or others in your life, like, you should hear it as saying, like, no, like, this is as real as, like, my marriage, as my children. My relationship with Jesus is as real as the things I most care about in the world. That my relationship with Jesus has brought all those things together and made sense and left me in a place of love and joy and truth and grace, and all the things that I believe are fundamentally what the world is about, and I found them in Jesus. That's what I want you to know. That's what we're bringing. And In fact, maybe that's one of the best evidences that this is real, to the degree in which that's real in your own heart and life, to the degree in which those things are true, the degree in which people encounter joy and love and peace and truth and grace in your life things that you can't dismiss or ignore, you can't touch those things, but those things are more real than life itself. When they encounter them in our lives, well, then it begins to give the reality of this bigger story that Bible's toying about God and about Jesus. And that's why we talk about being Jesus devoted. I mean, here's the core of what it is that makes us say, here's where we want to go, and here's here's why it's worth going. I mean, if, again, for me personally, that's something I've, I've personally been more determined for. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, and it is extremely easy for me to settle for blasé, passive Christianity, to, to get away with it, frankly. And I'm not saying, like, I'm, like, at this lower level. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there, right? I've been a Christian for a while, and yet, like, this is not worth doing unless I have a sense I'm growing more in my faith in Jesus. Just not. And the degree in which I, I settle for passiveness, like, you... Settling for something almost inevitably leads to an erosion of something else. Erosion of other things in your life that I want to erode. I don't want to become more, um, more superficial in areas of my life. I don't want to become more dismissive. I don't want to become more cynical. This is needed for me to grow in the ways that I need to. And so for me, it began with by just being honest about where I am spiritually. One of the ways you break through this, one of the ways you begin to say, okay, I want more of a real relationship with Jesus, devotion to Jesus is by saying, here's where I honestly am. And for me, it was like, yeah, I can be passive. I can be superficial. I need to break out of that. And so I you know, I have a pastor friend of mine who's a, who does something that's called spiritual direction. And what he does is just regularly, I think every month, asks me questions that I'm unwilling to ask myself about my spiritual life. That's what I needed as a pastor. I needed someone who would not settle for me saying, oh, yeah, it's going good. <laughs> right? And I know how to say that really well. If you come and ask me, like, I know what to say to make it go well, <laughs> right? But I needed something to pierce through that and begin to say, like, it's not just about, okay, so how was your Bible time? But what did you see and know about Jesus in your time in the Bible? How do you think Jesus feels about you in this moment? Like, so the questions that, like, begin to help me think more about Jesus in a way that says I need to be at his feet and not in the kitchen, to be there with Christ. So again, here's the personal call to all of you at again, this is where again, here's something I want us to be committed to as community, but maybe the application I want you to walk away from is more you as an individual person. How might you say, here's what I need, a devoted relationship with Jesus, and to begin to take that honest look at yourself and to ask the questions to help you see honestly where you're at, where your faith is at, and then to begin to move forward from there. It means not settling for just showing up. Do not settle for just showing up here. I've said this a lot. Like it's great, you're here, right? It means a lot to me. Right? I, I prepared a lot of hours for this, right? So it means a lot. But I want more for you than that. You need more than just showing up. Don't settle for just showing up in your faith. Don't settle. Don't let worries and anxieties and distractions and business come between you and where Jesus wants you to be, where our beliefs are meant to lead us a relationship of devotion to Jesus that fills us with all the things I just talked about. Don't let unconfessed sin come before you in Jesus. There might be things you're struggling with, things that you think you can't confess or unwilling to deal with. You might think, God, that's gonna prevent me. Don't let that get in the way of what Jesus wants from you. Jesus is actually prime. Like one of the first things you can do is bring all that mess to Jesus. Like he's ready for it. (laughs) To bring it all there. And again, to find that he's ready—not not just he's ready for it—he knows about it already, and, he, and how he'll deal with your mess that brings you into the space that you're meant to have with Christ. Again, we need community in many ways to help us be honest, even as we need to individually be honest with ourselves. And so let's lean on one another, but then let's also commit individually to say, "Here's what I will do, and here's where I will go." And here's the thing: I want you—I to, want to—I want you to hear this. To the degree in which we as a community say we want to be Jesus devoted, but especially to the degree in which you as an individual person, and no matter whatever is going on in your life, whatever struggles there are, whatever disappointments there are, to the degree in which you say, this is what I want for you, Jesus, just those words, just that thought, to the degree in which that happens, it will happen. 100%. I realize I'm making one of those 100% guarantees, but I'm making it because I, Jesus is real, <laughs> He is real. The degree in which that honestly reflects who you are and because Jesus is real and because he wants you to know joy and love and peace and hope, the degree in which you go after him, the degree in which, yes, you don't let the distractions and passages get in the way, you don't let your sin get in the way, to the degree in which you say, Jesus, I want this and all that you have for me, to the degree in which you do that, you will find him. He will be there. And you will experience all that you're meant to experience that comes out of knowing God through the Bible and seeking after him. I mean, that's what's been happening to me. And I'm saying this as someone who still is easily distracted. I was way distracted this week. It was not good. Right? And yet, I have been struck by how even the smallest step I've been making towards Christ has grown me in my own faith. Um, one of the things I've begun to do is just to say, "I'm willing, as busy as my day is, I will take time to pray throughout the week. And one of the things I have said, God, like, I need you to meet me even if I can only pray for five minutes. Because I was feeling guilty. I can't do the hour, right, that, like, you know, super Christians do, right? I can't do the five hours that other people do. Um, You know, and I was like, I feel like I've lost that. And I felt guilty over it. And I'm like, Jesus, at least meet me in five minutes. And guess what? He has. He has. I've sometimes just said, well, I'm just going to do a prayer as I walk across the street to get lunch. And Jesus, meet me in some way there. And he has. And he has. If Jesus can meet me in small spaces. I think Jesus has been telling us, me something. If you, I can give you a sense of my joy and peace and security in five minutes, that tells you something about the kind of God I am, the kind of Jesus I am. Of how he wants to have a relationship with us. And how he invites us always into more. Imagine there's like a, a pearl, a precious pearl at the bottom of a cold swimming pool, and you've been given a chance to get that pearl. But to get that pearl at the bottom of the swimming pool, the, the pool is, is pretty cold. Um, it's kind of deep down there. It's in the deep end of the pool. Um, you got to get wet to get it, but it's right there. The pool is clear. You can see it. It's not being hidden from you. It's right there, and it's there for you. You don't have to fight anyone else off to get it, but you got to dive in. You're going to get wet. and It's going to be a little cold. But if you do, you will get that pearl. Roosevelt, Jesus is that pearl. I can't say it more clearly enough. Like Jesus clearly presents himself to us through the Bible and invites us to find him. And, and, and makes it clear that there's something to be sacrificed to some degree. The life you lived outside of the pool has to be sacrificed. The, the, the comfort of sweating, sitting at the pool, sipping your margarita, right? You need to get up. You might need to put that down. You might need to go in. You might need to get wet and be cold. But if you find the pearl at the bottom, you find Jesus, you will come up and find something of infinite value. Something that will change your life forever. And it will be yours. No one will take it from you. And so this season of ministry, let's find Jesus in that way. Let's find Jesus at the deepest level of our soul. In a way that encounters all of who we are. And know that as we meet Him, He'll He'll lead us in all the ways that we need to. Let's ask those questions. Let's move in those directions, and praise God. We know the result. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who You are, and thank you for this time, and thank you, Lord God, that um, for what You've done in my life and others' lives, Lord. Who, Lord, in many maybe as I'm speaking, especially I'm speaking one end to, to those Lord who who don't know You, Lord, and I want to say, Lord, I want them to see like what we call them to is not a different. Different culture, different subgroup of people, a different, uh, I mean, it's, in some ways it is, but it's actually more than that. It's not just like, here's a, another hobby to do. It's really an, a, a, a deeper reality, a real reality. I, I don't know if that's a word, Lord, but <laughs> Lord, it's, it's an invitation into the things that we know make life worth living, Lord. And so, Lord, for those who, 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 are, who aren't sure about Christianity or don't know, Lord, at least I pray that they hear, Lord, that this is not, This is something that we believe is real and true and begin to at least ask the questions that say, is it real and true? That joy and peace and love, salvation can really be found. A life with God can really be found in Jesus as we come to you in your word. And if for those of us, who are, and maybe I'm speaking even more so to, to myself or who have been Christians for a long time, and we know how to coast, Lord, we confess and ask your forgiveness for coasting for just going through the the emotions. Lord, um, help us, Lord, to realize maybe we have neglected, Lord, what you've given us. And to press for something deeper and know, Lord God, that you answer even even a five minutes of encounter with you. You will meet us there. Um, Lord, we realize, Lord, it does require something from us, Lord. And so the way we lay it down before you, lay all those things down before you and humbly ask, here are our most humble prayers. And meet us and allow us, Lord, to again see you are real, Lord God. And Jesus saves. And we have life, eternal life forever with you. Every moment we move towards you, we experience more of that abundant life is what you invite us to. Lord, may we, may we be a church that, that, that almost glows with that. <laughs> um, that, that. That is so full of life because we're so full of meeting you and following you, Lord, that begins very much at an individual level. And so, Lord, um, may we take those steps and may you answer that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.